I'm Vanessa Tyler, and you're listening to Episode 3 of GEICO's Generational Storytime on the Black Information Network. Mental health. Historically, this has been a challenging subject for most Americans to discuss. And sadly, this has been especially true for Black Americans. Thankfully, this stigma weakens with each passing generation. So we sat down with three generations of the McGill family from Washington, D.C. to hear their thoughts on the subject. Diane McGill, age 73, works as an independent contractor for a behavioral health care organization. Monica McGill, 54, spoke about her personal journey finding help and her personal thoughts on over-medication among Black youth. And Jasmine McGill, 28, graduated with a B.A. in psychology. She spoke passionately on how her generation's attitudes toward mental health have shifted. Our conversation has been edited for clarity. Let's dive right in. Now, Diane, you work as an independent contractor for a behavioral healthcare organization. Talk about the words we use in the Black community to describe mental health and tell us how we should label and discuss the topic. Sometimes in the Black community, there are negative terms used. Crazy, something's going on with them, shell-shocked, a lot of negative terms. And I think the terms that should be used are mental illness or mental health concerns or having issues, but not anything of a negative connotation, because this results in a lot of people not wanting to seek help or discuss what's going on with them. Monica, what do you think drives people to finally take the plunge and seek counseling? At what points in your life have you sought help? For me, what I've noticed, because I've I've sought counseling at different stages in my life. In my early 20s, when I was uh, pregnant and expecting Jasmine, my, my first and now only child, there were some fears with that about parenting and what to expect. I did seek counseling during that time. Actually, even prior to that, I went maybe in my late teens and very early 20s for counseling. Recognizing the need for it for me at that time then was starting to have more serious relationships and have more intimate relationships with people. Then I started to realize some of the issues that I may have had as a result of bouncing my thoughts and my perceptions off someone else that I'm that I'm developing a close relationship with. And so that was the first time. And then again, during my pregnancy and then more recently as a family therapy for myself and Jasmine now, maybe at some point my mom will join, but that has come about as a result of the pandemic and when Jasmine moved back home and having her here as an adult after being out of the house for so long. And just, you know, realizing that and maybe even because of all the togetherness because of the pandemic and realizing that we could benefit from some family counseling. And we just started that recently. So I don't know what drives other people to seek counseling and what may be going on with them and that they're feeling stressed or some type of imbalance. But for me, it's been around relationships first with myself and understanding more about myself and my own thoughts and processes. And then as a parent and now for family. You mentioned the pandemic. I wonder whether we are seeing more issues now with mental health because of the pandemic. 
I think so because of the amount of time that you're spending by yourself. You're not able to, you weren't able to go outside and travel or even in some cases a physical activity. You had to make do with what was around you and just being alone in your thoughts or being around someone else for a long period of time. And it's been a while since there has been just five or six hours together with this person. And you're learning, you learn more about yourself when you're in those experiences because of all that is going on. And then all that's going on outside as well. So I think that added to everything to like this increase in uh, mental health awareness. I think people Mm -hmm. are just realizing that, okay, well, it's not just me. It's all of us. And we can all benefit from therapy. I know the conversations, at least I know it with me when I was at my other position that they were being more sensitive to people's needs around the pandemic. Uh, There were a lot of open discussions and where are we now, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement erupting towards the beginning of the pandemic as well. So it was a lot of hard conversations being had, a lot of people dealing with themselves. So I think that's what did. I think it's really was just being alone and really taking a hard look at ourselves. Now, Jasmine, you recently graduated with a BA in psychology. Is this the area where you see your future? I think psychology is everywhere. That's one of the plus and minuses of the major because you have to get more specific. But I've been thinking more about it. But being aware of people's feelings and emotions and knowing that there's more than what you see going on with someone. There's sometimes things are deeper rooted. I think I, I can use that anywhere that I work, um, but nothing specific. I don't plan on going and getting a doctorate or anything like that in child psych or in psychology at all. Do you think, Diane, that as a Black person, we should seek a Black therapist? I think it helps to see someone who looks like you. But then you also need to see someone who understands your issues. And and oftentimes it can be someone of another color, another race. It doesn't have to be just Black. It sometimes helps if you can find a competent therapist. And when I'm looking for therapists and I first think, let me look for a Black psychologist, oftentimes it's just hard to find. And it could be that there are not enough people of color specializing in psychology. Monica, could you talk a little bit about medication? How complicated is it to get the meds correct? And that's another complaint you find People who may have started on meds and the meds may not be right for them, maybe make them sleepy or nauseous, and they don't take them. Talk about medication. I haven't personally been prescribed medication for mental health, but I did have a African-American male child as a foster child in my home for 18 months. And he initially was not on medication, but he had been diagnosed with ADHD and probably, well, definitely ADHD at the time. And he was extremely hyper. In addition to the hyperactivity, he had other behavioral issues. And so as they continued to see him, as he continued to go to his therapist and and I was noting some of his behavior, some of my concerns about it, and he was going to therapy and they decided to try medication. And it was actually the second time that when he came to me, he had medication before and then he wasn't on it when he came in. And I didn't immediately want to look for medication. I wanted to see for myself because I felt that they may be a little too quick to medicate children, especially African-American children in the foster care system as a way of controlling their behaviors. And so after time, I realized that for him, I felt that it was necessary and met with the psychologist on their staff. 
And she, within six months, the dosage increased for him. And after leaving my home, because I have kept in contact with him, he has been put on yet a, a second medication. None of these medications, however, are actually doing anything for the root issues that he has. And so that's a little, you know, it's concerning because the medications mm-hmm. are very strong. They affect other areas of the medication, especially for a child. The medication that he takes is actually a high blood pressure medication with a side effect that helps to control the hyperactivity in mm-hmm. children. I had a lot of questions about that medication, how it would affect him over time. And as I said, now he's on a, a second medication and the behaviors, because, because the trauma is still there. And so it's actually more important, I think, that they receive counseling. And the counseling just, it has, it's, it's, and it has consistent to be consistent. Counseling. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's not what's happening, at least for that group and for that child, for me, in my experience. But I haven't had to have medication myself. Yeah. Well, Jasmine, do you think young people are more open to discussing what we're talking about now, discussing mental illness? Yes, I think we see what generations before, what happens when you don't talk about your issues, when you don't confide in someone and let someone know what's going on outside of yourself. There are patterns in like my grandmother was saying, generational issues that could, I'm sure, could have been um, highlighted and alleviated early on. Early on, yeah. What about celebrities? I think of uh, like Taraji P. Henson, mm-hmm. who's been rather open about her anxiety and depression. Yeah, there's a lot of advocates that I'm seeing now. I think that they are going through the same thing that we're seeing in our community. And it's that we have to stop this at the root. We have to stop these problems at the root. We have to talk to our sons and our daughters and our grandmothers and grandfathers. And it's not just, you know, you're fine. You're just being sensitive about this and that. And it's like, no, you'll get over it. And you can't just get over depression. Can't just get over anxiety. There are tools. There are things that you need to dig a little bit deeper into and talk to someone that has more knowledge, an unbiased person that has more knowledge about the subject than you do. And in the Black community, I, I see there is a bit of um, hesitance. There's a, a apprehension with telling someone your business, <laughs> um, letting someone know too much. But that's the point of therapy is to open up and allow someone into your life that has the, the educational background to help. And you have to be aware that not everyone can help you the way that you need to be helped. And you might need to go to more than one therapist. You might need to look into different types of therapy. Conversational therapy is not that it does not work for um, someone with the creative mind. There's art therapy, there's music therapy, there's everything. There's things that I don't think that we see are open to the black community until it's too late. At least for me, until we're in our like 20s where I'm seeing more opportunities. I'm seeing um, people put together lists of black therapists. There's networks now, there's groups, there's everyone. I'm seeing a a surge of uh, black female counselors. I have friends that are in mental health now and and that are receiving their doctorate or are receiving their master's and getting more concentrated in their field so they, they can give back even places that are offering free counseling. I think that when we grow up, we only see like our guidance counselor, like maybe if there's something wrong, if if a teacher notices that a mood has changed and it kind of just stops there. There's not anyone to to advocate and go further and and look further into the real issue, especially in public schools where it's a a large number of, of children and limited number of resources. So, yeah. Wow. This has been... 
an amazing, an amazing conversation. Did anybody want to add anything else? As we know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Was there anything else any of you ladies wanted to add? I think employers, corporations need to become more aware of mental health issues and not have it such a stigma because most companies, especially larger companies, offer EAP, employee assistance programs. But if you let your supervisor or whoever know that you are being referred, they don't look at that oftentimes as a positive Mm -hmm. gesture. So maybe sometimes we don't seek the help we need because we're afraid of the stigma, the repercussions that may come from it. When you were asking about, I think, African-Americans, males specifically, and being criminalized with mental health, I think that that is the case because African-American males have already been, I guess they have that label of being threatening. And so if they're already being seen as threatened just in their person, then if there's a they add a mental health issue to that, maybe it's someone who is talking to himself or someone, you know, who otherwise is distributing some type of mental health issue, then that is magnified because now you not only have this black man who's being feared criminally, but now he's acting in such a way that is maybe abnormal to what we're used to. And so that's added to it. And I think that heightens or highlights the fear that not only when the police come and um, are in contact with them, but also the public and why the public would even react to them in such a way to even want to call the police or or feel feel the need to do so. So I think that that's a big part of it. And I also think that collectively, the uh, African-American community in the United States, that there's some PTSD. It's here. That's Black trauma. I don't know if it's always been there, but I I do feel that with social media and just always having these images and being so hyper aware of everything that's happening to African-Americans in this country, I think that it's having an effect on us all. And I don't think that it's limited to African-Americans, but I think that, that because we see ourselves pretty much every time we see ourselves or our family members or our close friends, every time we see someone on television or on social media being killed or being mistreated. So it's affecting us all. We have a fear of our own, you know, collectively with the police. It may have always been there, but now I think it's even more so. So I I definitely think that um, the Black community, that we have a unique level of mental health as a result of what we've experienced in this country. I'll tell you, seeing that video, those videos daily. (laughs) Not just one. Different people, different days. um, Men, women, children. uh, National news, local news, social media. But the only thing that I wanted to add, along with my grandmother and my mother's point, is uh, we talked about employers and Black men. But as we're sitting here as Black women, I think that we need to just talk about the young women and reach out to them more because as Black women, we are looked to as an anchor, as someone that can just handle it. Especially yeah, when we're younger, absolutely. especially mm-hmm. when we're younger, there are strong black women, but you can't even, be too strong, even yeah. as a even in like your adolescence. All right. There's memories of like, OK, well, Jazz, you got it. And there's special attention to the to the boys because they're acting up and the, their maturity level biologically is lower <laughs> at that age. Um, not even <laughs> talking trash, but <laughs> girls are just more mature. And with that comes so much more responsibility and less uh, less attention that's given to them. Just being black women at this age and going through so much, especially women maturing early or 
or navigating the world. We, we're seeing more and more women just going through or, or talking about what they've gone through with uncles and cousins and brothers and neighbors and family males, women, anyone in general, and not getting a voice and not being heard. We're seeing women um, getting uh, attacked and followed and just certain things that I think are coming more into light with social media. And we're, we're starting to see a community of Black women like, oh, OK, it's not it's just not just mm-hmm. me that looks behind my shoulder every time I step outside. And just the hyper awareness that we have as Black women and the expectation on top of that, um, I think is should be looked into more than um, than it is now. It should be definitely, especially in adolescence, because that's where it starts. That's where you're learning about loving yourself and caring for yourself. And now I'm seeing more self-care videos and women embracing their hair and how all of that falls into professionalism and how we're seen in society. So I just think that we hold so much on our shoulders that just to add on top of like everything else with mental health, that the awareness of with Black mental health in Black women, I think, should be advocated more. Excellent. Wow. (laughs) Diane, Monica, and Jasmine McGill. Three generations. Ladies, you are all terrific. Thank you for helping us help our community. Thank Thank you. I'm Vanessa Tyler, and this has been Geico's Generational Storytime on the Black Information Network.